Well, guys, I missed you. Uh, so thankful to uh, the pulpit was filled nicely in my absence, Brother Ryan. Thank you, sir. Uh, and uh, I got to hear most of that sermon before uh, before I ever left. And so I got I got to log on and hear the third point now. I got to see. It was worth it, huh? It was worth it. All right. It was the best point. All right. All right. So I'll do that uh, tomorrow. I'll check that out. But um, I, I want to thank you. Um, it's always nice to get away. And uh, as you guys know, we didn't we didn't get to do that. Um, really, this summer, and so uh, though it was a hectic week for Alan, I uh, he, he made me promise this morning I'd never leave again over Thanksgiving. Never again over Thanksgiving. You can leave any other time, but not Thanksgiving week. He says any other time. Wait till next year. I leave at Christmas. Um, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I <laughs> wouldn't do that to you. Uh, but uh, this morning we are going to be in, in the book of John as we begin our Advent series. Um, just simply, of course, the word Advent means coming, and uh, it's a time that we. We celebrate Christ's first coming. It's a time that we look forward, of course, to a second uh, coming. Uh, great uh, theologian and author A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, uh, he wrote, What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He goes on to explain the history of mankind will, will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the greatest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what at any given time he may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. He says, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. He says, this is not only true of us as individuals, but it's also true of us collectively the Christians that compose the church, always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. And so this year, as we celebrate Christ's first coming, his advent, I want to begin here with a very important question that Jesus poses to his followers out of Mark. It's simply this, who do you say I am? That, that, that's a question I want to pose to us, because if Tozer is right, and I believe he is, then, then there may not be a more important question that we as Christians could ask ourselves. Who do we believe God really is? Who is he to us? And so this year as we celebrate Christ's coming, we're going to do so by studying who he really is, by studying his uh, attributes. And so um, the, the study that many of us are, are going to do together, and, and some of you have ordered this book, and I, I want to tell you it's okay if you haven't. Uh, if you did order them, they're going to be available at Grand Central here. Uh, when we're done, that's down this hallway. It's not really Grand or Central, but we call it that. And uh, so you're going to find uh, those, those books. He is, uh, are here. They're available. Um, if you didn't get a chance to order them, I want, I want you to know, I believe you can still order a digital uh, download copy, and you can do it on your computer or on your phone or things like that. Uh, that's still available to you. Um, but this study, uh, and, and by the way, that, that digital, it's, it's available at sacredholidays.com. 
But the goal is simple. It's to elevate our thoughts about Jesus so that we can truly celebrate him and his coming this year, maybe perhaps like we never have before. And so we're going to begin here in in the Gospel of John. I'm going to be in chapter 1. I'm going to read um, from verse 1 all the way down through verse 14. And the word of the Lord says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I think verse 4 is critical to our understanding of of this text. And really, if you ever study the Gospel of John, verse 4 is critical to your understanding of the Gospel of John. Because in verse 4, John lines out his, his two major themes for the entire story. And it's this truth that in him was life. And that life was the light of all of mankind. And it's here, it's these two attributes of Jesus this morning that I'd like to camp out on uh, as we begin our Advent study together. And I'm going to begin with, with this one, is that Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Now, when I say that, I, I, I mean it in every possible sense that you might interpret it, really. In, in any sense that you might interpret that statement or apply that statement that Jesus is life, that's exactly how I mean it, right? And so when I say that Jesus is life, first and foremost, I mean that Jesus is the source of all physical life. Jesus is the source of all physical life. Look at verse 3. It says, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And so, so when we think back to Genesis and we think about the six days of, of creation, when, when we, we think about the sun and the moon and the stars, when, when we think uh, about the plants and the animals, when we hold a loved one close and we feel the, the breath and their lungs or the beat of their heart, we should immediately think of and thank Jesus. Because without Jesus, none of those things are possible. I was driving back uh, from South Padre yesterday and heard a snippet of Louis Giglio on the radio and he was preaching about Jesus being the creator. Speaking it into being, he's like, from the mouth of Jesus flew all the birds of the air, all the creatures of the sea, and all the lights of the heavens. (laughs) I don't know what it is that you love about this world, but I do know Whatever it is that you love, Jesus is its source. Think about that. 
thank him for that. That's kind of the point. That's what we mean when we say that Jesus is life. He's the source of all physical life, but he's not just the source of all physical life. The text also tells us that he's the source of spiritual life, right? Jesus is the source of spiritual life. Look at verse 12 and, and 13. It says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but, but born of, of God. We read those words, it reminds us immediately, many of us, about another story in the book of John, named John chapter 3. So you can turn there if you want to, John chapter 3, also talking about um, this, this being born of God thing. It's a story of about a man named Nicodemus. It says this in, in chapter 3, verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit of God. And then in verse 16, of course, the words we know so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so in chapter 1, verse, verse 12 and 13, it tells us to all that receive him, to all that believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Not, not children of natural descent, not of, of a father's uh, doing, but, but rather children that are born of God. And then we get to chapter 3 and we figure out what he's talking about, that this, this born of God, this spiritual birth, is, is, is something that has to happen in us by believing in Christ. We're actually born spiritually. We're made alive spiritually. And of course, that's important because the Scripture says without this, we're dead. Right? Ephesians 2.1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins and what you used to live. So just as Jesus is the source of all physical life, friends, we have to understand, we have to think about and thank him for the fact that he too is the source of any spiritual life. Without Christ, spiritually, we are dead. It's a big deal. That's what we mean when we say Jesus is life. say Jesus is life, we don't just mean that he's the source of physical life and the source of spiritual life. We also mean he's the source of eternal life, right? John 3, uh, 14 through 16 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Of course, Romans six twenty three, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is life. He's not just life here on earth. He's not just the breath in our lungs life. He is life forever, forevermore. That's what he offers, eternal life in Christ, okay? But he's also not just eternal life. 
He's even more than that. When we say that Jesus is life, we also mean that he is abundant life, right? That he's abundant life. John 10, 10, of course, says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and, and have it to the full. Of course, this is a great truth we've taught before, that Jesus did not come. He did not step out of heaven and into humanity so that your life could be okay. He, he didn't step out of heaven and into humanity and, 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 and die on the cross, uh, take all of the world's sins upon him just so that you could be ho-hum. That, that's not what he did. He, he, didn't, he didn't die just so that you could go to heaven one day either, which unfortunately is what the church has taught for way too long. Jesus did die so that we could have eternal life, but he also died so we could have abundant life. And that abundant life doesn't start when we enter into the gates of heaven. It starts on the day of our spiritual birth. That's the day that abundance is available. Too many Christians I know are sour-faced. Like they drink vinegar. Walk around. Everything annoys them. Everything upsets them. They're not happy. How can you not be happy if you have Jesus? May I ask that? Right? I mean, if you have Jesus and nothing that this world throws your way can affect you, that it can't even kill you. It can kill your flesh, but it cannot kill you because you have eternal life. How can you not be happy? You're indestructible. Praise God. Jesus has given us not just physical life, not just spiritual life, not just eternal life. He gives us a life that raises all the way up above the rim of the glass and overflows, full of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control. These are all available in Christ. And these are the things that he died for. So that, it, it's a big deal in verse 4 of chapter 1, when John says, in him was life. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Jesus is life. That's the first attribute I want you to see clearly. And here's the second. Every bit is important. This morning, I want you to understand that Jesus is not just life. He is also light. Jesus is light. Now, this one, I'm going to be honest, it's a mouthful and a mindful. It, it, is, it is a lot to take in. I'm going to do my best not to mess it up. But let me show you what I mean when I say that Jesus is light. First and foremost, when I say that Jesus is light, I, I, I literally mean that Jesus is the true light of the world, and he is God. It's what it means when we say that, that, that Jesus is light. There's a lot to unpack here. We'll do it somewhat quickly. Um, but just walking here through the text, this is in the beginning, um, is this, and let's just read it together uh, as, you, as you look through it. says, in the beginning um, was, was the word. That's a capital W. It's not a lowercase w. It's referring um, to, to, to a person. In the, in the beginning was, was this person called, called the word, and, and the word was, was with God, and, and, and it says, in the word was, was God. Uh, he was, he was with God in the beginning. So this word, whoever this word is, is, is with God and is God. And, and, uh, and he's with God and he is God before anything is created. Before anything is created, he is with God and he is God. And, and, and then it says, through him, all things were made uh, that, that have been made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. So, so, so he, he, this word, he, he is with God, he is God, he's there before everything is made. Everything is made, is made through him. And it goes on, says that, that, that uh, 
In him was life. That, that word life, it, 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 can, it, it can mean breath, but it really means like the fullness of life. All of what life is meant to be in him was that. And that life, it says, was the light of all of mankind. Right? Right? All, of, all of mankind um, has this light. And it says this light came and, and, and shines into the darkness. Uh, but the, the darkness doesn't understand it. That word's interesting because it doesn't just mean understanding. It also means that the darkness can't overcome it. The darkness couldn't overcome this light, which is really weird because darkness seems to, to win a lot of times in our minds. It says this, this light shines in the darkness, but the darkness hasn't understood it. And in verse 9 it says, ah, the, this light, this word, he's the true light of the world. He's the true light. It means some things. We'll talk about that in a second. Verse 14, and it says this word, this light became flesh. This, this word, who's God, who was with God in the beginning, that made everything that we see and everything that we don't see, this word, who is life, and whose life is the light of all of mankind, became flesh. That's, that's how he shines his light into the darkest places. He, he becomes flesh. And then in verse 17, if, if you're just wondering who this word is, it finally says it there in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through. Here's his name, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Right? And, and, and so just, just the text itself, John is, 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 is saying, he wants you to get it. He doesn't want you to miss it. He's, he's saying, listen, Jesus is God, right? And, and he's the true light of the world. Get this, ready? Because this is, and this is one of John's like, core beliefs, because God is light. That's what he says in, in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him, and we declare to you. God is light. And get this, in him is no darkness at all. This is who Jesus is. When we look to Jesus, we don't see gray areas. When we look to Jesus, we don't have questions about right or wrong. When we look to Jesus, we see the absolute truth and the light of God with no darkness whatsoever. That's John's point. We say Jesus is light. We literally mean that he's the light of the world. He's the true light of the world. And that he is God. When I say that Jesus is the light of the world, I also mean that Jesus is the one that shows us how dark and depraved we really are. This is part of the purpose of light, by the way. This is that the light has come to shine into the darkness. That, 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 that's its purpose. The, the, the light has come to shine and to shed light into our, our dark world. Listen, light, light will show you just how dark things really are. Don't believe me. Go to a matinee. All right? Anybody been to a matinee recently? You go into the movie theater and you spend um, way too long, depending on what movie it is. Maybe you spend longer than you should. And, 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 and the movie's over, and it always seems like it's pretty well lit up in there. I mean, you can see where you're going, and, and there's, there's lights, and you get the popcorn, and, and, and I mean, you've got to get popcorn when you go, and, and probably a pickle to go with it, or milk duds. Either combination is fine with me, right? And so you plop down, you spend $100,000, and, um, and you plop down for, for a good two hours, and, and when you walk out of the matinee, you spend two hours in this place, and this place seems very well lit. All of a sudden, you open the doors, and you are blinded by how bright it really is outside. See, the sun in that moment reveals to you, you thought 
where you were was pretty well lit. You could see in the hallways. You, you could see in the lobby. You could see in the bathroom on your way out because you drank too big of a Coke, right? You could see in all those places. You, you thought it was pretty well lit up until you walked out the doors and suddenly you could see how dark it really was in there. Guys, in a greater godlier way, Jesus comes into our world and he shines true light. And, and, and when he shines true light, we immediately see how, how dark the world really is. See, Jesus comes into a world where, where people had declared that, that God... Now, listen, people were thinking very low thoughts of God. They were thinking very dark thoughts of God. They had taken the rules of God. They had added to them to a point that, that literally... Uh, they said the bar of God is about here, folks, okay? It, it's this low. It, it's this dark. All you have to do is check off these boxes. It has nothing to do with your heart. If you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, N, V, W, X, Y, and Z twice, you do all those things and you are right before God. That's, 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 if, you, if you can do it on your own by yourself, you'll be right before God. You and God, God will accept you right here like this. And then the true light of the world comes and he looks at the people that are living this way, and the people that are teaching others to live this way. And he says, are you kidding me? I am the light of the world, and you need to go see what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Like You need to understand that this has always been about the heart, and you are heartless. Your version of holiness is spelled with a lowercase h. But I'm telling you that God demands Perfection of the heart. He is holy, holy, holy. So Jesus comes in the world and he shows us how dark our world, how depraved we really, really are. That's what it means by the light shining into the darkness. You know, one of the other things that light does when it shines is it shows us false sources of light, doesn't it? And so Jesus comes into the world a world where men had been teaching this, and, and, and the men we're talking about, of course, are the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, the teachers of the law. And, and they were seen as such holy men. I mean, they dressed better than anyone else. They were the finest dressers there ever was. Uh, by the way, that's one of the reasons I, I'm very comfortable wearing these kind of things. I, you, you don't often see me in a snappy suit or tie. I just... When I study the text, a lot of times I see the sharpest dressed guy was the furthest from the truth. Just, I'm not saying, like, if you look good in a suit and tie, man, you wear it, right? Brother, like, I'm not saying that's an affection of your heart. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't deserve that. And so uh, Jesus comes, and, and here's these guys, man, and, and everybody else sees them, and all they can see is their light. They see their light, right? I mean, they see they're dressed in, in, in the holiest of robes. And man, they see them and boy, do they pray. They pray out and open and, and they're in awe of how these people pray. They stand on street corners with their hands raised in their beautiful holy garments with all their tassels in the right places. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for not making me like all these sinners around me. Thank you for making me holy and right. You know, I mean, and they're praying these kind of prayers and, and then they, they know all of the commands for crying out loud. They, they know 633 rules to follow. They got those down to a T and they can quote them and, and, and spout them off to you. And they can even tell you what other teachers have thought about those rules and, and they can even take them further than, than any text would ever take them. And so people look at them and they're like, wow, they're so holy. 
You know what it's like? How many of you were a kid? Anybody go to summer camp? Anybody? Raise your hand. You did summer camp? Okay. How, how many of you have been camping? You've been camping? Okay. How many of you have ever been outside at night in a dark place? Okay. Okay. Good. How many of you have ever used a flashlight? Okay. Okay. Uh, any of you have siblings or cousins that you, you had flashlight wars with and you shined them out? Anybody do that? Yeah. It's good stuff. Anybody do that after they fell asleep? <laughs> It's a great way. They fall asleep and right in their face. Ask them like 20 questions. Where were you on the night of October 7th? It's good. It's good. Works every time. It's good. Here's the thing about flashlights, though. They're only bright in the dark. Go home today when the sun's out and it's shining and turn on your flashlight and see how bright it is. So the true light of the world comes. And all of the people that seem to be so bright and so holy and so righteous, the light of the world, the true light of the world stands before them and they are nothing more than a bunch of dim wits. They're seen for who they really are. And friends, they hated him for it. They hated him for it. So much so that they decided they were going to kill him. They were going to kill him. Because he was threatening their positions of power. See, Jesus, just by coming, he shined his light on the deepest, darkest motives of their heart, which was that they desired positions of power and influence. And so they wanted to kill him for it. Here's what the scripture would say. Uh, John three nineteen through 20, the verdict is the light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. It's a big deal. That's what light does. It exposes even the most hidden of our motives. And finally, when I say that Jesus is light, I mean that Jesus shows us who God really is. Right? Jesus shows us who God is really is. Light lets us see things for what they really, really are. Uh, My youngest is going to be four uh, here next week, and um, she's going to be four, and she right now is in a phase that she's not a big fan of shadows, okay, at all. Like, she's never slept well at night, but now um, she's got to have a light on. We turn a light on. Light creates shadows in the dark, and so, I mean, and she's somehow monsters. We don't even, we don't watch any movie with monsters. We don't like read books with monsters, but she knows what monsters are. And to her, they are very real right now. And, uh, and, and in fact, one was even followed us all the way to South Padre Island. And uh, one night I was having trouble sleeping. I was still a little congested. And so I went out in, into the living room where I had a boy sleeping on a couch and I'm like in a recliner and I'm just trying to get some sleep. And Faith woke up and said, mommy, there's a monster. And it was me snoring in the living room. And uh, so I'm evidently feeding her fear. Um, And so, but on a typical night, on a typical night, I will just simply um, go into her room. And and every once in a while, it's bad enough that I'll go, honey, show me, point it, point it out to me. And she'll point, see over there. And I'll I'll say, okay, what is that? And she'll explain what that is. And then I'll walk over to the light and I'll turn it on. And I'll go back to that thing she pointed at. She'll say, no, baby, that's just the shadow of your lamp. That's not a monster. We'll turn the light off again. And she'll point to the clock. See that over there? And we'll turn the light back. See, babe, that's just the shadow of your raincoat. That's all that that is. That's what light does. It lets us see things for what they really are. 
And Jesus comes into the world. And one of the primary reasons he comes, guys, is so that we can finally see God for who he really is. You see, one of the hardest attributes of God to wrap our minds around is the truth that God is invisible. Right? You study scripture, you figure out very quickly that God is, God is invisible, that God is spirit, right? God is spirit and his worshipers worship him in spirit and, and in truth. And so, so this, this has really had a great effect upon mankind throughout time because God has, has continually kind of laid down his rules. He said, like, here's what you need to do for life. This is what you need to avoid for life. These things are important. And mankind, time and time again, has misunderstood what God is saying. Why? How did the Pharisees get so far off track? Because they received the message, but they couldn't see the messenger. Let me ask you this. Have you ever received an email or a text message and you've taken it the wrong way? Anybody? You thought somebody was yelling at you or they were mad at you, or right? If you're, if you're a man that's married, you've done this. I, I No, I got that backwards. If you're a woman that's married, you've done this, right? No. Maybe somebody's excited and so they use all caps or maybe they just accidentally had all caps on and they didn't realize it. And you get it and they're like, they're shouting at me. What did I do? Most of us have sent that message or we've been on the receiving end of that message where we've been misunderstood. Why were we misunderstood? Because people received the message, but they didn't see our heart, the heart of the messenger. And see, this truth that God's invisible for years has been a great problem to mankind because God has, has been genuinely saying, this is what you need to do for life and, and, and for righteousness. This is, this is where blessings going to come from. You need to do this. But man's never seen the heart behind it. And so it's just been this great list of rules and they've misinterpreted and they've misapplied. And Jesus steps into this world and he comes as the true light so that we can see the messenger. And I want you to hear me. God knew that we were going to be these kind of people. He knew that we were going to misunderstand. That's why Advent has always been part of God's intent for us. See, God's coming was always part of God's plan. It wasn't plan B. God always planned to step down out of heaven and into humanity. And there's a lot of theological reasons for that, atonement being very high on the list. But one of the reasons that God planned in the very beginning to step out of heaven and into humanity was so that we could see him. That we might no longer misunderstand his heart for us. That we might see his love and his compassion and his grace. That we might see him serve and and reach out to the unreachable. Colossians 1.15 says this about Jesus. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. Colossians 1.19 says this. It says, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. God was pleased to send his Son so that we might finally see him for who he really is. So what do we do with that? When we start to understand that Jesus is life and that Jesus is light, that these are two of his primary functions um, for us. I'll give you two things just very quickly. And the first one is I just, I just want to challenge you to think. Just think about it. 
just think about what it means that Jesus is life this week. Just, just ponder it right now. He's the source of all physical life, the for, source of all spiritual life. He's the source of eternal life. He's the source of abundant life. Am I experiencing that? Am I experiencing everything you have for me, Lord? Have I forsaken the gift of eternal life? Have I forgotten my spiritual birth? Just think about it, right? Think about the fact that Jesus is light. Think about what that means, that he's come to show us how dark we can really be. He's come to show us all the false lights in the world. Most of all, that he's come to show us who God really is. Think about it. That's the first thing we have to do, right? That's the first thing we have to do. Can you return back to that quote from Tozer? Remember this quote? We're going to get there. I'm asking her to do this on the fly. Think about these things. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So think about these things. Second, don't just think about them. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. You know what the ultimate response is to having a right thought of God? Worship. Right worship. Not base worship. We don't worship a God who's little. We don't worship a God who's, whose version of holiness is down here. We worship a God who shows us what holiness really is and provides it for us. This, this gap between what was being taught and who God really is, which is a massive gap, that gap is the reason for worship. Because this down here, we couldn't even do this, although man thought that they could. There's no way we could do this. So God comes and does it for us. And the only proper response to such a high view of a God who is completely just, he doesn't let us off the hook for our sins. He's completely just, but he is also completely loving. So he comes and fulfills his justness for us the only proper response to a God like that is to fall on our knees and to worship him and to thank him for the fact that he is life, that he is breath, that he brings light into our darkness. And we say, God, thank you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, you are good and you deserve our worship. You are worthy of our worship. And so this morning, and that's what we want to do. We just want to think about who you are, and we want to thank you for who you are. So let us do that in spirit and in truth. And we ask that in your holy and precious name. Amen. And for a moment, just with your heads bowed, I'm just going to invite you to a time of thinking. That's all this is right now. Just a time where you would think about who God really is. This morning, we've just expounded on two of his attributes. The fact that he is life and that he is light. That's enough to think about right there. Would you just bow your heads for a moment and just for a moment, just think about the bigness of this God named Jesus. Just think about it.
want you to think about maybe a loved one that you held over the holidays. (laughs) Maybe it was a grandchild. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe you got to see your mom or your dad. You got to hold them. You got to feel the breath in their lungs and the beat of their heart. What is the proper response to that, friends? Proper response is to thank the source of life. To thank this Jesus. To worship this Jesus. So with those images in your mind, this is what I'm going to invite you to do. Would you stand with us now? And we're just going to do the second half of our application. Would you just stand with us now? And would you just, together, could we just thank this Jesus who is life who, who brings light into our dark world. Let's do that together this morning as we close our time together.